and welcome everybody to episode 18 of Killinois with Bird and Cam. This is your boy Birdman. As always with me, Killer Cam. Cam, how we doing? I'm good. I'm currently knitting a blanket for my sister. So oh, okay. That's always fun information. My dog is trying to eat my cookie too right now. <laughs> so so we, got a, we got a special guest in the house and... I think you'd be better adapted at uh, introducing her. All right. So we have a special guest in this house today. Um, she actually has personal knowledge and a connection with the case we'll be covering. Cool thing is she also went to UIS um, as well, and she had a pretty bomb-ass internship. So I hope she gives us some info on that. And so what's up, Britt? What's going on? How are you? Not much. How are you guys? Hey man, Good. Glad, Thanks glad so much here. for for calling calling in and doing this with us. No problem at all. This is exciting. So okay. we're all UIS yeah. grads. So we're all about the you is or you ain't kind of thing. No, no, we are. Like I said, when we have Mike here, we are. If 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 UFI or Band of Champagne is curly. And UIC is, I guess, Mo. We're Shemp. We are. Aww, we we are. No. We are the third yeah. wheel. Like I said, we oh, are. We the, like to have fun though. We, we have a good oh, yeah. time. We, 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 like I yeah. said, like crows on a Thursday night. You get DJ and the Bill out there. <laughs> Shit. Oh man, sure. Back when Catch Twenty Two is still open on mm-hmm. a Thursday night. Swerve to the curve. Like oh. That was dangerous. <laughs> that was dangerous. Oh, so, but I'm kind of excited about this case. It's a little bit um, not as well known as most of the cases we've covered. Um, and to some individuals, this podcast may be disturbing. Um, so please be advised and do continue it. Um, so there are some trigger warnings in this episode. Um, these do resolve. Uh, resolve, excuse me, revolve around um, abuse, child endangerment, and other trigger warnings. Um, but if you do know of anyone who is in an abusive relationship, or if you are in one yourself, please, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, that's 1-800-799-7233. Or if you know of anything with child endangerment or abuse, please call that hotline at 1-800-843-6349. And per usual, we are here to report and do our job. So if there is any information that doesn't sound accurate or is offensive to either parties, or if you know more information, please let us know. That's why I'm glad Brittany's here. She's going to definitely help us out on a lot of questions, a lot of facts, a lot of fact checks today. Um, But Best way to reach us is uh, through our social media, uh, Illinois with Burning Cam on Facebook. Um, but back to our guest host, she did work on this uh, case herself and does have a lot of information, um, probably more that people haven't heard yet. So that's super exciting. And so, yeah, Brett, tell us a little bit about your internship um, that kind of led you into a job opportunity. Um, my senior year, I got an internship. Uh, we had to have an internship, actually, uh, our final semester. 
for credits, and I got an internship through Clutter Investigations um, here in Springfield. And it was it was a lot of experience. It was um, a lot of work. It kind of led into the investigating innocence um, when I wasn't working, you know, with Clutter. But uh, he was obviously with that at UIS. And it, I, I haven't been doing it as much. Um, I also serve process serve, but I haven't been doing it as much. Um, I just kind of focus on my job I have now, um, which is a lot, uh, a lot more boring. But it was, <laughs> it was a good experience. It pays the bills, right? Yeah, it pays the bills. Yeah, exactly. And is this Steve Watkins case, is it how long would you say it was an ongoing investigation? Not very long, um, from what I can recall. <clears throat> it was pretty open and close. Interesting. Very, very, very interesting. So this I will be fun. I just want to clarify that I obviously was too young to work on it this time, but I did pick up a lot of interest as I worked with Clutter and kind of learned, you know, the ways or whatnot. And um, like I said, it was from my hometown. I was living there when it happened. Um, and it's a town with about a thousand people, give or take. So everybody knows everybody. So in that, Those are the best times. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So that said, um, why don't we just dwell into this and do the damn thing? Ready, girls? Let's do the damn yeah. thing. All right. So I'm born on night February 7, 1976, in Beardstown, Illinois. Steve Walkins was born into a loving home. He served in the Coast Guard and met Jennifer Watkins shortly after, who was born roughly two years later in 1978. And pretty much was born with a silver spoon in her mouth. Silver spoon meaning Jennifer grew up with any and all things she wanted, needed, and begged for. Rarely was Jennifer told no. And this will be a key factor as we get into this story. Sorry, my dog's in the way. Shout out, um, but now, as for Steve, many people described him as a laid-back kind of dude. And a lot of people said he was the kind of guy that would take his shirt off his back and give it to someone in need. While at the same time, many said Jennifer was probably a little stricter. My perspective, maybe a little bit of pothead. Or pothead, wow. <laughs> hothead. Oh my god. Uh, hothead. Um, so um, from my perspective, from what I picked up, she seemed a little bit like a hothead. Um, but her and her family were extremely close-knit. Um, which is the way I have with my family. However, word on the street was Jennifer was was a spoiled brat, and if she didn't get her way, then no one did, which is kind of more or less a red flag. Now, Steve was always a man who loved and loved very much. He had two daughters, one from a previous relationship, Alex, I love that day, and then Sydney, whom he had with Jennifer. Many people said that these girls were Steve's world, that he would do anything for his girls. But let's keep this focus on, the, on this murder case as it will involve Sydney and especially Jennifer. Um, and that said, let's go back again when Steve and Jennifer met. To many, it was like fireworks. Cue Katy Perry fireworks song. And this is why, folks, I don't <laughs> let Cam do the notes because it, it, he knew this new. It was going to be something like this Katy Perry. I'm like, I was really hoping I, you would have some come off no, in the background. Hell, like, yeah. No, no. When I looked at I was like, the fuck is she thinking like oh <laughs> I love you but damn <laughs> <sighs> I was like I'll put it in there I'll let him look at it before we do it I'm like bro 
Anyway, in August 2006, Steve and Jennifer married. However, two short years later, Steve would file for divorce, claiming dissolution of the marriage. Now, Jennifer would go on and on about how Steve was allegedly abusive towards her, but there was never any evidence confirming that claim. And it is said that she tried to accuse Steve of everything under the sun just so she can get full custody of Sydney. Now, I know there are multiple cases where an abused partner will take back what they said or stated something else happened, and we've covered several cases like that. You can find in the archives. However, um, there was no discussion to any friends, family, or any anyone, for that matter, of any abuse ever from Steve. Um, however, and as Cam is going to uh, get into more detail, rumor and innuendo had it that uh, Jennifer was doing a little creeping on the side. That's true, and I have... Sorry about this, guys. My dog is literally standing on my table. Um, but I know I talked to you a little bit about that, Brent, and I know you have some information on pretty much this rumor that is going around. Um. Yeah, it's definitely a rumor, but it's it was kind of a well-known rumor to many in Ashland. Uh, but one, there's only two cops in Ashland. One of the two cops that was having an affair with Jennifer before, you know, all this or between marriage. I don't, I'm not sure, certain at the time, but that was a word around town. Would you consider? Would you take that word and trust it, or is it just one of those? She said, he um, said words. I've, I've heard it from quite quite a bit of people, uh, quite a bit of people that were really close to this gentleman mm. um, we're talking about. And this is not the first time if this happened that he would have wondered, so. Oof. Interesting. And I guess this is makes sense into why Jennifer was never looked at again since she's fooling around with the cops. So I don't know. Pretty much. Bulletproof. No pun intended there. But the uh, the night of November 25th, Steve Watkins, a 32-year-old native of Illinois, now this is still really young, he was en route to pick up his daughter for a visitation. And this is when him and Jennifer were estranged. And this is where it all started in Ashland, Illinois. Now, before we get a little deep into this, I just want to say Jennifer's a little bitch, but... Roll time. Get back to this uh, She sounds like baby back bitch. So, um, yeah, that sucks. But anyways, as Steve Watkins entered the house where Jennifer re- resided, he had no idea that his life was about to change forever. The issue, apparently, that all started was controversy that Jennifer wasn't allowing him to visit between or wasn't allowed Steve visits between his daughter and him. And November 25th was actually court order visit. So both Steve and Jennifer were in the middle of the intense divorce case at this time. And usual. I thought you said, Britt, that, uh, was it Steve that filed huh. for the divorce? Yeah, it was saying Steve that filed for the divorce, saying there was a disillusion, if I correct me if, if we're wrong. Yeah, I remember that, but is that would that is that something that holds in the divorce court? I mean, it's 
kind of up for grabs at all times. I don't know. Mm. Can, can you just go into a divorce court and be like, we just, it just fucking yeah, sucks? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. You can say dissolution of marriage or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, of course, she was trying to pin um, him as a bad guy this whole time. But... Hmm. Interesting. So, her usual, most court order visits, Jennifer had some type of excuse of not being able to allow it. Now, mind you, her family even joined in on these excuses to prevent Steve from seeing his child. Not only did Jennifer do everything in her power to deprive Steve of seeing his daughter, but she made it extremely difficult for Sydney to even see her paternal grandparents. She even fled the state to avoid them seeing their granddaughter. I mean, that that's just fucked up on all levels. I mean, there's just no really ways to kind of sugarcoat that. And even better, Jennifer got her family involved, too, in the ongoing dispute. And during this custody battle, Jennifer and her family did everything in their power to ensure Steve had a hard time visiting his daughter. But, again, he finally got that opportunity to see his daughter on the night of November 25th, 2008. He showed up at Jennifer Watkins' house, where Jennifer and her mother were staying. Um, her mother name is Shirley. Um, before the hour even ended, Steve was shot dead with one bullet hole wound to the back of his head. So execution style. So I guess technically, if Jennifer cried abuse or anything Steve quote-unquote did, someone shot him while his back was turned. So I don't know if that's like an unwritten law somewhere where if your back's turned, you're not technically armed. I don't know where that line falls. I would say there's something but, there, yeah, about that. What? I would agree something would be, there would be some kind of law or something, or not a law. Yeah, something along the lines of maybe, let's say, yeah, maybe he did push her or he, let's say, hypothetically had a weapon on him, but he was walking away from the situation, so. Supposedly, that's exactly what happened. Um, But I guess what frustrates me most about this entire case and this entire murder, um, is that it entailed Sydney being in the fucking house the entire fucking time? Jesus. Um, but Brent, you have more information on his daughter and the rumors around her being in the house. Yeah. So he got there um, that night, and for sure, uh, one thing is certain is is Shirley or Manny, I call her, but Shirley is um, Jennifer's grandma, and. They all live in this. It's called Horseshoe Drive. It's actually a little horseshoe uh, shaped. And they all live in this one side of it. Like, that's how close they are. Um, so they were all down at, at one of their houses at the end of the Horseshoe Drive. And he supposedly came in to get Sydney. And um, rumor has it he pushed uh, Shirley or pushed her to the side because was, there was another excuse. And he was going back to get his daughter no matter what. He pushed her to the side, supposedly, and she had a handgun near her. She went to get a handgun and shot him in the back of the head. Jesus fucking... What? What the fuck? Um, was it... And I thought I read something on it, but mistaken me if I'm wrong, since the family was so fucking close to each other. Was it just Shirley and Jennifer in the house? No, I think, um... 
the whole clan was there basically. Uh, oh. I, I I'd say I think there was five or six people there. Not in oh. Stephen. So it could have very well been one of Anybody, for sure. And they had time between, you know, to kind of sit there and ponder. Figure out what happened. And, sure, yeah. and did they end up calling the cops or was it like a neighbor? Or? Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure um, about that. That's crazy, though, because if a neighbor called, then they wouldn't have as much time to... I'm thinking it was them because for some reason I'm thinking that um, I've heard part or a, a clip of 911, but I don't know. It's them, fucking but, crazy. Uh, yeah, they, they're very close-knit. They're always, you know, at each other's houses, always doing family activities together, which is great. But um, in this case, it's a little weird. Mm. This, to get away with murder, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So when police arrived, it was reported that this murder weapon was held by many people. So police didn't test for GSR. And it was then confirmed that it was most of Jennifer's family who incidentally went to a shooting range just a couple of days prior and stated that they all had gun residue on them. I mean, if you took a shower, washed your hands, wouldn't the gun residue disappear? Hmm? Hmm? Now, there is rumor and innuendo that Steve pushed Jennifer when coming into her home, and that is why the gun was fired. But unfortunately, and it's something that uh, Brittany had alluded to before we started recording, you know, this is a small town. Uh, a crime like this has never happened to that magnitude. So that said, you know, the police are not really trained to that aptitude to, to really, I guess, investigate as coherently and efficiently efficiently as say if this were a murder in Chicago. And um but that said from our point of view, when we talk about when we look from the standpoint of means and motive and opportunity, all of the evidence points to Jennifer. She was having a custody battle with Steve, who had and the marriage is integrated to the point that she was accusing him of abuse and just saying all these terrible things. She allegedly had an affair with a police officer. Did everything in her power to make sure that Steve or his family couldn't. I mean, and like we said in the beginning, she was she had never been told no, except by Steve. And maybe, you know, not being used to that, it cost him his life. I just find it fascinating. I mean, again, about the whole, I think I find it more fascinating that it was like a family event. Like, let's all decide on when to kill Steve and make it an entire family thing. Like, this is going to go down as a family secret forever on who killed who killed Steve. Which sucks because Steve's parents are never going to know the truth. No, they won't. But I think they... I think kind of everybody knows, you know, what, or has a pretty good suspicion of what It's like on. one of those worst kept secrets, you know. Yeah, for sure. Part. It's sad, it's just, yeah. you know, there's no reason to keep it anymore. They just need to tell the family and what happened. And what, it's sad. Exactly. And which is unfortunate, like you stated earlier, is this was a very small town, so this wasn't exactly a um, common thing that happens by any means. Yeah. So the crime scene was a little botched, I would say. Oh, for sure. Um, 
they once they got a hold of the family and Shirley, it was confirmed that Shirley, the great grandma Sydney and grandma Jennifer, was the individual who actually shot the gun and took Steve's life. Now, all she had to do was say, "Grandma, mom taking a fall. That's fucked up." Right? Like, who would do that? Your grandma's the matriarch of the family. Like, you don't let her go down like that. But she's old and she had cancer, you know? It's. I mean, I guess, but like. No, I wouldn't. I would never let my grandma go down like that. But that's. I mean, I see. That's, you know, that's probably what they were thinking, you know? She's. And I see, like, totally see that perspective from like the grandma's like oh i'll take the fall yeah. but like me as a granddaughter i could not live with that on no, my okay. absolutely knowing that oh yeah grandma died but i put her in jail for that to happen for her to suffer the rest of her life yeah. and again like you're stating she took the fall we all we all coincidentally agree that shirley took the fall um versus jennifer actually uh, being the uh, convicted individual. Um, but I find it funny, though, because Jennifer continued to do sketchy-ass shit after, after fucking Steve was dead and Grandma Shirley was in the pen. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just me or, I again, because I'm not from a very small town, um, and we have more than, like, we have a lot of police officers, and so I just, I guess I find it weird that the police didn't even look any further into it. Um, past someone just saying they did something, it reminds me of the whole making murder thing where Brandon Dempsey was like, oh, I did it, but there's no evidence I was there. That's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's what I have well, to say. I mean, there's just so many different things. My assumption is... Like I said, you have two police officers in Ashland. Um, one of them uh, doubles as a, a city worker. So it's just kind of one of that, one of those things. And it was very, very poorly taken care of. Um, you know, based on what we've talked so talked about so far, when you have, again, when you have two police officers... Uh, I mean, let alone, even if they are by the book, I, I mean, to to handle something, a, a murder in an in a area that's not equipped, I mean, and they're no, not equipped. Absolutely. And, and they, ISP wasn't, Illinois State Police, um, they weren't called. Really? I, you know, it's kind of a pride thing in everybody else's opinion. I don't I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, also you have to think about that they probably couldn't, she was supposedly living where it happened during the house down the road or wherever after it happened. But uh, they probably couldn't find her to serve her or whatnot, uh, these papers, obviously because she fled. And Ashland funds don't have, you know, millions in them. So they're not going to afford a plane ticket to Florida, a plane ticket to wherever she's at. Mm-hmm. And they obviously didn't know where she was at the time as well. Interesting. It's interesting that, you know, we talk about wanting all these murder cases to be solved and all the right steps to be taken, but we forget how expensive it is to do, to do that, to find the right justice and everything. And we want the justice system to work, but we can't when we don't have money. 
So Shirley Skinner was convicted and found guilty of first of the first degree murder of Steve Watkins. She was sentenced to fifty five years in prison. So pretty much she's seventy eight years old today. So that's pretty much a life sentence. And she's got forty five more years of you do the math. And since then Jennifer well, still make it sixty years. Yeah. Unless unless it's like some 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 new ass dank medicine that can you know what? Look, it the the average lifespan a hundred years ago was like fifty something. Now it's like eighty. So who knows? Who knows? You know what, what the future holds. I hear that they're putting pig hearts in people now. So not that they're living, but they're putting them in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm watching a little feral movie. That's why. <laughs> Oh boy, it sounds like something out of Rick and Morty. But since then, Jennifer has still made it difficult for Sydney's paternal grandparents to see their granddaughter. And I mean, this is just really heartbreaking. And the fact, like when we talked about when she was fleeing the state during the custody battle, she's fled the state afterwards and ended up in Florida to avoid Sydney seeing her paternal grandparents. She was even extradited back to Illinois. And Sydney was given to her aunt and uncle until Jennifer can figure her shit out. Now, according to this evidence shown, I don't see why it wouldn't be Jennifer. I understand the concept of Sydney lost a parent and she needs her other one. But that said, to have a, uh, as we can, you know, as we see it, as a psychotic mother who is not looking out for her daughter's best interests, is by far the last person who should have any children. I mean, again, is it is it the best uh, best interest in Sydney, you know, to, to, to be in this predicament? I just, I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to, you know, to, to, to really, you know, say that with a straight face. It really is. She actually fled twice. Um, when she was in, wow. she fled to Florida from Illinois, and then from Illinois she was arrested in Florida in 2011. And after she was released, she went to she took uh, Sydney to Massachusetts, and uh, then in 2016 she was rearrested, and that's when Sydney came back and lived, you know, raised with her aunt and uncle. And how old was Sydney in 2016? Was she old enough to kind of understand what was going on? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess I just don't understand why, what is her hatred towards the Watkins family? I get, you know, ex-hatred towards one another, but this, this, he's dead. He's gone. He's six feet underground. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She just, like you guys said earlier, and she gets away and that's what, what she wants is what she's going to get. And she didn't want any part of him or his family. And I'm glad we kind of talked about the uh, uh, justice system side because until today, I I almost looked at it as the justice system really failed this family. But yeah. coming from a town that has two active you know, police officers who've never dealt with a homicide before, mm-hmm. who didn't want to bring it to the state, they did the best they could, especially when someone openly admits to doing it. Um, however, I would definitely keep a very close eye on Jennifer, or I don't know, 
um, if you decide, if somebody, let's say the Watkins family decides they want to do their own investigating and they find out Jennifer straight up admits to killing Steve, can, can this case be turned around or since it's already closed and convicted? Um, I think. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that could be a retrial or... I mean, unless unless Charlie uh, just finds, like, you know, uh, unless something happens, like, drastically that would say, hey, you know, I had to take the fall or, you know, this was premeditated or something to that effect. I mean, she has cancer. You know, she's getting into her twilight years more so than she was when um, she went to jail for this. It, I, I, I just see that everything is going to run its course the way it is right now. And I guess to, to kind of add in my two cents on, I, I guess to kind of sum this all up, you know, in past episodes and how we talked about whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or texting or whatever, we always lament about, oh, you know, the justice system, whether it works whether it fails and in this case from a black and white perspective we see somebody murdered and we see somebody went to jail and was convicted for that murder from a black and white's perspective okay you see that justice is done but there's so much gray that we that you guys have really hit on a nail that it's just it really compromises you know in this case the, ju- the justice system of Aston, uh, Illinois, and it just puts a really bad cloud on just the aftermath, and it's just a really, it's a really, we say it again, we say it all over again, it's a really sad si- situation. Mm-hmm. And, but the good news from this sad situation is there was a, uh, a bill that I believe it recently has been passed into a law, uh, the Steve Watkins bill. Um, Britt, do you have any details on that? Yeah, it was basically put into place to protect um, the parent that didn't have full rights and full custody. Um, it's basically saying that they can't violate the court-ordered visitation rights to the other parent. Uh, gives the, the other parent the, um, I don't know, the freedom or the peace of mind to go pick up their child without any harassment uh, by them or their family. Um, and actually, I, I read uh, not too long ago to where it says if you violate these rights, they can be fined, um, they can lose their state or professional license. Um, it's pretty serious. It's great. So, which is weird that they didn't have a law or bill like this prior, because I guess back then, you know, it was very like you were stating earlier, but black and white where mom ran the house, dad went to work, they stayed together regardless of what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But nowadays, it's both parents work, both parents are strong, independent women that don't need no man. Um, Even though one of you guys are a man. Um, But it's just, it's, it's, it's weird because I grew up with divorced parents and I lived with my dad and but my parents shared custody and they, I fought with them more than I ever saw them fight with each other. I don't think I ever even saw them fight, mm. but it just sucks when someone doesn't put their child first, and that's what happened with this case. Yeah. So. So yeah, this. Um, and I'm just looking it up right now. In 2012, uh, 
August 21st, 2012, Governor Pat Quinn signed the Steve Watkins uh, Law, which pretty much uh, amends the Illinois Marriage and Dissolution of Marriage Act, and it provides, quote-unquote, if the court, upon holding a party in contempt in for violation of a visitation order and finding that the party engaged in visitation abuse, may find that the party is guilty of a petty offense, can impose a fine of no more than $500 for finding of visitation abuse. So, uh, you know, as we as we saw over that uh, custody battle that, you know, Jennifer was really, she was really playing Russian roulette with a full clip in regards of not letting um, Steve see his daughter. So, I mean... And it's unfortunate... Ow. Just hit my head. Sorry, you go. Oh, I said what I have to say. Oh, sorry, I just smacked my head. Um, I guess I could see, I could totally see you taking away the rights of a deadbeat dad or a dad who doesn't give a shit about his children or a right. dad who comes in every blue moon, but Steve was there for his daughters 100%. All day, all night, that was his world. That's what he dedicated his life to, and I just, I find it very unfair for him and his family, and karma will do its justice hopefully um where it needs to be done so it's not to mention his parents um, are great people yeah real great people and it's it's unfortunate yeah and from what i read i know i don't know him personally but from what i read is they will do anything for their granddaughter Absolutely. and for anything for it to be peace which mm -hmm. i don't know why someone would want to push more away from that, yeah, but people. So and if I ever run into Jennifer, go to get these hats. <laughs> Not really. I don't want to get. I don't want to get beat up. Yeah, I don't like. I don't want. Dan, I, uh, God forbid, I have to do a Illinois episode on Cam. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be the one behind bars. So that's the only bad thing. <laughs> yeah, and then we have Mike. We're gonna have Mike take over as co-host. So like, <laughs> just for that alone. <laughs> in the world oh, it's terrible no. it's terrible how smooth jazz his voice is i'm like stop it stop i sound it. like he's a dead listen. person eh, he's gonna listen to this he's like oh skilly school like no it's no, not like bringing don't you feed him wow. don't, don't feed that uh, you know what on second thought we should yeah <laughs> but um guys uh thank you so much um We've been gone for a while. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded the last episode, but um, we're gonna come back with some more stuff. Hopefully, you know, weekly. Uh, she's been under uh, camp's been under the weather. Uh, I've been busy with work and all that stuff, just trying to be responsible, adulting and shit. But like, you know, we're we got a lot of you know, we got a lot of shit coming on the burner. So like, um, yeah, we got some shit. Be ready. Get ready. And thank you, Britt, so much yeah, for coming so on much, and telling Brett. us about what you know about this story, especially, too, because it's a hometown story. Um, yeah, so we you hope you're on. back on with us again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fucking stoked. So so before we go, I uh, want to hit the uh, with social media intel. On a good list. Oh yeah, that's right. I thought I <clears throat> I was so stoked I was about to scream out be there or be killed, but we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Um so <laughs> you can find me on social media. Um 
Facebook, you won't find me. So if you find Bird or Britt, then I'll let you know my, my, my Facebook information. But you can hit me up on Instagram at Instacam630 or Twitter at ILikeStuff630. And Bird? Oh, yeah. You can find me on uh, Bird Your Enthusiasm on IG, Bird underscore your underscore enthusiasm. You can find me on Birdman for America on Twitter. You can find me on Birdman Iceberg on Facebook and Twitch. Yep. Election is going on. I just voted for myself for uh, governor. So, hey, vote for me. Um, I don't know what the fuck I do if elected, but hey, rather than everybody else who's on the ballot. Um, <laughs> um, Brittany, if you want to Finally, tell Finally, what's your social media? Um, I just have Facebook and uh, it's under Britt Thomas. Alrighty, guys. Nice. Um, I'm voting for you, Birdman. Yay! I as well. That's two votes. That's two fucking votes now. And on that (laughs) note, guys, we're going to hit your asses down the road. Peace out. And as always... Be there, be me. Kill bitches. Ah.